إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So continuing with بلوغ المرام we're now in the chapter of Al-Masajid, the rules and regulations regarding the Masajid and some of the Sunnah which has been mentioned regarding the Masajid. We reach the hadith of Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu anhu qal, بَعَثَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ خَيْلًا فَجَاءَتْ بِرَجُلٍ فَرَبَطُوهُ بِسَارِيَةٍ مِنْ سَوَارِ الْمَسْجِدِ Al-Hadith. In this hadith of Abu Huraira, عنه, he says that the Prophet وسلم, he sent out a group of the companions uh, in a battalion or a delegation, a group of the companions or a group from amongst uh, the believers, they were sent out by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فَجَاءَتْ بِرَجُلٍ So when they returned, they came back with a man. And he was a disbeliever. Then they tied him to one of the pillars of the masjid. This hadith, that's how Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar, he mentions it, that section of it. It's a hadith which is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. The story behind this hadith is that Thumama ibn Uthal, who was the leader of the people of Yamama at that time, he was out heading towards Umrah. And he was a mushrik at the time. Thumama ibn Uthal, he was a mushrik at the time, and he was from the heads of the mushrikeen at the time. And he was somebody of status and rank. So he was out on this journey, and he came across a group or a battalion of the believers. So they took him and they brought him back to Medina. The believers, they took him as captive and they brought him back to Medina to the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ, he tied him to a pillar from the pillars of the masjid. And then every day the Prophet ﷺ would walk past that individual Thumama and he would speak to him and ask him, what do you have or what is your affair, etc. Until it's mentioned that on the third day, that individual Thumama, he accepted Islam. He was tied to the masjid for three days. And after that three days, he actually accepted Islam in any case. He accepted Islam. So it's mentioned that on the third day, the Prophet ﷺ said to the companions, أَطْلِقُوا ثُمَامَةً Let him go. Let Thumama go. فَأَطْلَقُوهُ فَذَهَبَ إِلَى مَكَانٍ قَرِيبٍ مِنَ الْمَسْجِدِ فِيهِمَا So they let him go, and he went to a place close to the mosque where there was water. فَاغْتَسَلَ وَتَنَظَّفَ So he made ghusl and he cleaned himself. ثُمَّ جَاءَ وَأَعْلَنَ إِسْلَامَهُ Then he came and announced that he is upon Islam. فَشَاهِدَ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ اللَّهُ 
and he took the testification that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah, and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. وَصَارَ مَعَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ ضِدَّ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And so he became with the Muslims, in opposition to the mushrikeen. So this was the story of Thumama, when he was taken captive, when he was a mushrik at the time, he was brought back to Medina, and he was held in the masjid, held tied to a pillar in the masjid. And then on the third day, he actually accepted Islam and became a Muslim in opposition to the disbelievers. Why would Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar, rahimahullah ta'ala, mention this hadith, and we are currently in the chapter of the mosques. What's this hadith got to do with mosques? They tied him in a the masjid, but what? It can be used as? As a temporary detention place. Aha. Uh-huh. Correct, it's true. So, the hadith, the shaykh says, فِيهِ مَا سَاقَ الْمُؤَلِّفُ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ مِنْ أَجْلِهِ فِي هَذَا الْبَابِ وَهُوَ جَوَازْ دَخُولِ الْكَافِرِ إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ The point of this hadith is to indicate that it is permissible for a non-Muslim to enter the mosque. That's the ruling that Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar wants to highlight from mentioning this particular hadith in this chapter. Because Thumama, at the time when he was brought to the Prophet ﷺ, and then he was held in the masjid, he was a disbeliever. Initially he was a disbeliever, and he was held in the masjid, entered into the masjid. So this therefore indicates that it is permissible for a non-Muslim to enter the masajid. The Prophet ﷺ, he tied Thumama in the pillar of the mosque, whilst he was a mushrik at the time, Thumama. And he stayed there for three days as a disbeliever at the time. However, the Shaykh says, Lakin al Jawaz laysa al itlaq. The permissibility of that, of a non Muslim entering the masjid, isn't something absolute. It's not something absolute anytime, any place. But that is only done if there is some benefit to it. You allow a non-Muslim to enter the masjid where there is benefit. There is some benefit to be had. كَأَنْ يُرْجَى إِسْلَامُهُ For example, an individual who you expect or anticipate, he may accept Islam. An individual, maybe you be giving da'wah to somebody you see as receptive, and you consider that maybe this individual, he may accept Islam. It is anticipated he may accept Islam. So you bring him to the masjid. There's a benefit in that. He comes and he sees the masjid, and he sees the believers and how they pray, etc. There's a benefit within that. So that's an example. أو أنه يأتي وافدا إلى المسؤول من المسلمين برسالة أو بسفارة أو غير ذلك. Or for example, if there was an individual who comes as a messenger, particularly in the times of the Prophet ﷺ, where people would come in lengthy distances on horseback, etc., with messages from other nations or from other areas, other tribes, and they may be disbelievers, those messengers who come. So they were permitted to enter the masjid to hand over their messages, etc. فَلَهُ أَنْ يَدْخُلَ الْمَسْجِدِ لِيُبَلِّغَ مَا جَاءَ بِهِ So that type of person can enter the masjid to uh, put forward that which he has come with in terms of his message. أَوْ أَنَّ وَلِيَ الْأَمَرِ يَرَى رَبْطُهُ وَأَصْرُهُ وَسِجْنُهُ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ 
or as this example indicates, where there is a situation an individual is kept captive in a masjid, a criminal. Some individual may be a criminal or something of that nature, so the leader of the believers considers it to be appropriate to hold him captive in the masjid. That clearly with the example of this hadith. أو أنه كان مهندسا أو بناء أو عاملا يعمل عملا في المسجد فهذا لا بأس به. Or if it was a worker, a builder, a worker, an architect, a plumber, some individual needs to fix something in the masjid, and the only individual who's able to do it or the worker who comes is a non-Muslim, then it's permissible of course for him to enter the masjid and to fix the, uh, the, the, the affair that requires fixing. Plumbing or heating or whatever it is, building work, architecture, whatever that job might be. An individual can come in and do that job within the masjid and leave. That is permissible. فَالْمُشْرِكُونَ كَانُوا يَدْخُلُونَ عَلَىٰ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ It's mentioned that the mushrikeen, they used to enter into the masjid. They used to enter the masjid uh, where the Prophet was. دَخَلَ عَلَيْهِ نَصَارَ نَجْرَانِ The Christians used to enter the masjid. The Christians of Najran. وَدَخَلَ عَلَيْهِ ثُمَامَ And in this hadith we have the example of Thumama. And also Adi ibn Hatim is mentioned in some narrations that he entered the masjid whilst he was still uh, not upon Islam yet. وَدَخَلَ عَلَيْهِ خَلْقٌ كَثِيرٌ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And many of the polytheists of that time, the mushrikeen, they entered the masajid for various benefits that were to be had from that. So this indicates the permissibility of a non-Muslim entering the masjid. There is no issue in that. With the scenario that there is some benefit behind that. With these types of examples that have been given. فَدَلَّ عَلَى جَوَازْ دُخُولِهِمْ إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ لِحَاجَةِ So this indicates the permissibility of them entering into the masjid due to some need. وَهَذَا مَا ذَهَبَ إِلَيْهِ كَثِيرٌ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ كَشَافِعِيَّ وَالْحَنَابِلَ And this is what many of the scholars have said. This is the position of many of the scholars, the Hanabila, the Shafi'iyya. Many of them, they said that it is permissible for them to enter the masjid with the exception of Mecca. With the exception of Al-Masjid Al-Haram in Mecca. Many of the scholars have said that is an exception due to the statement of Allah, إِنَّمَا الْمُشْرِكُونَ نَجَسْ فَلَا يَقْرَبُوا الْمَسْجِدَ الْحَرَامِ بَعْدَ عَامِهِمْ هَذَا In Surah Al-Tawbah, Ayah number 28, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, they are not to come near al-masjid al-haram. So that the scholars they say is an exception, but the other masajid, for those reasons that have been mentioned, then there's no harm in a non-Muslim entering the masjid. There is an opinion of some of the scholars, some of the scholars they have an opinion that non-Muslims should not enter the masajid at all, anywhere. Any masjid, not just al-masjid al-haram. However, the reasonings that they give, they have been explained by the other scholars that these reasonings are not precisely as they have understood them. So the reality is, as many of the scholars said, that other than al-masjid al-haram, it is permissible for non-Muslims to enter the other masajid. Somebody you want to give da'wah to, somebody you want to show them the reality of Islam, etc. Or a worker, all of those types of examples that were given. The second issue is في الحديث دليل على حسن خلقه صلى الله عليه وسلم وحكمته في الدعوة إلى الله عز وجل In the hadith, it indicates the wisdom 
of the Prophet ﷺ in dealing or in behaving towards the non-Muslims. Thumama, he was brought as a captive, as a mushrik, as an opposer to Islam. The Prophet ﷺ, however, didn't deal with him instantly, have him killed or have him sent somewhere, imprisoned. Nothing of that nature was done. Rather, he was left there, held captive and left there for a while, in the masjid. And the Prophet ﷺ would go and speak to him every day. This, the scholars say, shows the wisdom of the Prophet ﷺ. And it was actually an act of kindness to do that. To allow him some time. Leave him there, tied, stay there, he can think, he can ponder. He was given time, and eventually after three days, he actually became Muslim. And it was not the case. إِنَّهُ لَمْ يُعَاجِلْ هَذَا الْكَافِرُ وَالْمُشْرِكْ بِالْعُقُوبَ وَالْإِنْتِقَامِ The Prophet ﷺ didn't consider that this individual, he's a mushrik, he's an opposer to Islam. So instantly we should do something to him, beat him, take revenge on him. That wasn't the way that the Prophet ﷺ behaved towards him. Even though this was a mushrik, somebody opposing Islam and the teachings of Islam. The Prophet ﷺ didn't behave towards him in an evil manner. He didn't... Uh, take some revenge upon him or beat him or attack him or anything of that nature. He kept him there, allowed him time, and after three days he became Muslim. وَإِنَّمَا أَمْهَلَهُ وَتَلَطَّفَ مَعَهُ The Prophet ﷺ gave him time and he was generous with him. حَتَّى أَثَّرَ ذَلِكَ فِي قَلْبِهِ To the extent that this behavior of the Prophet ﷺ towards him, it impacted in the heart of Thumama. وَتَسَبَّبَ ذَلِكَ فِي دُخُولِهِ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ and that behavior that he saw from the Prophet ﷺ that affected and impacted him into then accepting Islam. وَهَكَذَا يَجِبُ عَلَى الدُّعَاهِ إلَى اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ أَنْ يَكُونُ And this is the Shaykh says befitting for those individuals who are calling to this religion and giving the da'wah for the people to be upon these types of mannerisms, to be upon these types of behaviors, morals, manners, of the Prophet sallallahu That the people they should be upon the characteristics of the Prophet in his kindness and generosity in speaking to the people and giving the da'wah and showing that lenience to them, even the disbelievers, the mushrikeen, to have that attitude in order to accept or for them to accept Islam and to see the reality of it. حَتَّى يَهْدِيَهُمْ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى In order that eventually uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may guide them to accepting Islam. أَمَّا إِذَا قُوبِلُوا بِالْعُنْفِ وَالْعَجَلَةِ وَالطَّيْشِ فَإِنَّ هَذَا يُنَفِّرْ عَنِ الْإِسْلَامِ وَيَأْتِ بِنَتِيجَةٍ عَقْسِيَّةٍ As for... And look at this statement of Shaykh Al-Fawzan and how relevant it is to the recent events of Woolwich. He says, as for an individual who behaves towards the disbelievers in, an, in a rash manner, in a rash manner with severity and with hastiness. These are the words used, Al-Ajala, hastiness, At-Taish, like rash and uh, chaotic and not thinking about things. Bil-Anf, with severity and harshness, a person behaves in this kind of way with the non-believers, then that is going to cause them to run away from Islam. And you'll end up with the opposite effect. Rather than calling the people to Islam, they will be running away from Islam, 
because of what they see in terms of this rashness and chaotic behavior from some of the individuals. And that's what you see, as we mentioned last time, from those individuals now, the takfiris, the khawarij, and those who have been influenced and affected by their methodology, the, all those individuals now, Anjam Chaudhary and Abu Hamza and Abu Qatad and whoever it might be, Umar Bakri, all of them have these characteristics in them. This harshness, this uh, hastiness, this rashness, this chaotic mind. They all behave in this way and so their actions end up in exactly what the Shaykh says here, in the opposite effect. Their actions don't bring anybody to Islam, they cause everybody to hate Islam. And so the Shaykh says a person should behave in the mannerisms of the Prophet ﷺ, not in the mannerisms of these individuals who have no intellect and no wisdom in how they behave. Al-Mas'alatu Thalitha في الحديث دليل على مشروعية السجن والإيقاف إذا كان في ذلك مصلحة فالنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أوقف هذا الرجل وسجنه وربضه في المسجد indicates the permissibility of holding somebody holding somebody in captivity or holding them imprisoning them if there is some benefit behind that here there was a benefit to imprisoning and holding ثمامة and showing him those manners afterwards and speaking to him, then eventually he actually accepted Islam. So this indicates the permissibility of that act also in the hadith. But the main purpose of it was to indicate that non-Muslims can enter the masjid. It shouldn't be thought by an individual that it is haram for a non-Muslim to enter the masjid. Impermissible. That is not the case. Under those circumstances where the benefits are, etc., then it is permissible for a non-Muslim to enter the masjid. Then... وعنه رضي الله عنه أن عمر رضي الله عنه مر بحسان ينشد في المسجد فلاحظ إليه فقال قد كنت أنشد فيه وفيه من هو خير منك متفق عليه This hadith which is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim It narrates that Umar ibn al-Khattab he saw Hassan in the masjid reciting some poetry. He mentions that Umar radiallahu anhu, he walked past Hassan in the masjid, Hassan ibn Thabit al-Ansari, who was reciting some poetry. So he observed him. He made, it, he made him aware that he's observing him in this as if to reject this act of his. So when Hassan noticed that Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu has made an observation upon him for reciting this poetry, he said to him, قَدْ كُنْتُ أُنْشِدُ فِيهِ He said, I used to recite this poetry in the masjid, وَفِيهِ مَنْ هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِّنْكَ And there used to be in the masjid somebody who is better than yourself, i.e. the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and that hadith is in Al-Bukhari, a Muslim. This therefore, the Shaykh says, indicates, هذا أيضا مما يجوز في المسجد وهو إنشاد شعر. This is something again which is permissible in the masjid, and that is the recitation of poetry. فيجوز إنشاد شعر في المسجد فقد كان حسان بن ثابت الأنصاري شاعر الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم. حسان بن ثابت الأنصاري, he was the poet of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. والذي دافع عن الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم عن الدعوة دفاعا قويا and he used to defend the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and the da'wah with a strong defense 
فقد كان ينشد شعر في المسجد على الحاضرين and so he used to recite this poetry upon the people who were present so on one occasion when Umar radiallahu anhu passed by and he noticed that he looked at him and he looked at him in a way to indicate that he's not pleased with it to indicate that perhaps Umar radiallahu anhu considered that as not befitting not suitable not correct to do so then Hassan radiallahu anhu explained to him that I used to do this before at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, and he never used to reject this act. But rather, the Prophet ﷺ acknowledged this. And that's when he said, That I used to do this, and there was somebody who was here better than yourself, i.e. the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, and he never rejected this upon me. فَالشَّاهِدْ مِنَ الْحَدِيثِ جَوَازِ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ the point being that this hadith indicates it is permissible to recite poetry in the masjid. However, there is a hadith uh, that At-Tirmidhi mentioned and Ibn Khuzayma mentioned. And in that hadith it says that uh, the Prophet ﷺ, he forbade this type of recitation. He forbade this type of recitation of poetry, etc. in the masajid. So now how do we combine between these two hadith? One hadith saying that it is impermissible this type of recital, this type of poetry in the masajid. The other hadith here saying that it's permissible. So how do we combine between the two? Is it depending on what poetry is? Correct. So it depends on the type of poetry. الجمع بينهما the way to combine between these two narrations the Shaykh says أن الشعر يختلف is to understand that there are different types of poetry there are different types of poetry فشعر النزيه والشعر الذي فيه دعوة إلى الله وفيه دفاع عن المسلمين فهذا لا بأس بإنشاده في المسجد the poetry that is it is pure and clean it is pure and clean poetry not Affairs of shirk or bid'ah or other types of uh, issues that oppose the religion. And it is poetry that it is defending Islam. Defending Islam and the believers. Defending the religion and calling to it. It is da'wah within it, within the words of the poem. So those types of poetry, they are permissible to recite within the masjid. As just like the poetry of Hassan radiallahu anhu. Hassan ibn Thabit, that's the type of poetry he would recite. As for the poetry that is degrading, poetry that is degrading, poetry that is not of this nature, that is not honorable, that is not in defense of Islam, other types of degrading poetry that doesn't have this pure meaning to it, then that type of other poetry of that nature, it is impermissible, uh, and that is what cannot be recited in the masajid. Poetry that is in defense of Islam, in defense of the da'wah, in defense of the believers, then that type is permissible. But other than that, other types of useless, futile speech, then that is not permissible. And that's what this next hadith is going to explain in further detail. What types of speech are not permissible in the masjid? So we have now the hadith of Abu Hurairah, قال, قال Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
من سمع رجلا ينشد ضالة في المسجد فليقل لا ردها الله عليك فإن المساجد لم تبن لهذا رواه مسلم The Prophet said if you hear or whoever hears a man claiming lost property in the masjid whoever hears somebody making announcements for lost property in the masjid then say to him may Allah not return your lost property to you because indeed the masajid were not built for that so whomsoever hears an individual making announcements or calling out for lost property then say to him may Allah not return your lost property to you because indeed the Prophet says indeed the masajid were not built for that what's the meaning of this hadith then the shaykh says هذا أيضا فيه بيان شيء لا يجوز في المساجد وهو إنشاد الضوال this hadith indicates something which is not permissible to do in the masajid and that is to make these announcements for lost property والإنشاد the meaning of it is to ask and to make a request or to make an announcement for lost property um فَالَّذِي يَنْشُدُ ضَالَّتَهُ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ فَقَدْ فَعَلَ مُحَرَّمًا So whomsoever makes those types of announcements, he has done something which is impermissible. لِأَنَّ الْمَسَاجِدَ لَمْ تُبْنَ لِأُمُورِ الدُّنْيَا Because the masajid, they were not built for affairs of the world. They were not built for worldly affairs. Somebody's lost their watch, they've lost their phone, that's a worldly affair. It's your wealth, it's your property, it's a worldly affair. The masajid were not built for these worldly affairs. They were not built for such worldly affairs. وَالسُؤَالُ عَنْ أُمُورِ الدُّنْيَا وَالْبَحْثُ عَنِ الضَّائِعَاتِ مِنَ الْأَمْوَالِ فَلَا يَجُوزُ ذَلِكَ فِي الْمَسَاجِدِ And asking about the worldly affairs and seeking after them, looking for them, asking about lost property from your wealth, etc. All of these are not permissible to do in the masjid. هَذَا أَمْرٌ لَا يَجُوزُ This is something that is not permissible. لِذَا فَإِنَّهُ يَنْبَغِي لِمَنْ سَمِعَهُ أَنْ يُنْكِرَ عَلَيْهِ وَلَا يَسْكُتْ That's why somebody who hears that, he should reject that. He should say to that person, this is not correct. He should say to that person, rather as the hadith says, may Allah not return this affair back to you. Because that is an evil act. To use the masajid for that purpose, for those worldly gains. So if you hear that the shaykh says, do not be silent upon it. Rather reject that upon that individual. وَلْيَقُلْ لَهُ And say to him, لَا رَدَّهَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ May Allah not return it back to you. مُعَامَلَةً لَهُ بِنَقِيدِ قَصْدِهِ وَعَقُوبَةً لَهُ In order to teach that person a lesson. To teach that individual a lesson in the same manner of his act. His act was to seek and to look for his last property. So you repel that in the same manner. By saying to him, may Allah not return your last property back to you. So you reject upon him in the exact same manner of his initial wrong act. His initial wrong act was to look for his lost property and make announcements in the masjid. So you reject upon him from the same angle. Say to him, may Allah not return your lost property to you. And that is to treat that person and to uh, explain to him by giving him back the opposite of what he desired. He desires for the people to tell him where it is. You give him the opposite back to teach him a lesson. May Allah not return it to you. To explain to him that this is not the place to be doing such affairs. 
فهو إنما سأل عنها في المسجد لأجل أن ترد عليه فيدعى عليه بنقيض قصده وقوبة له ثم يبين له الحكم فيقال له فإن المساجد لم تبنى لذلك بين explain to him the sheikh says explain to this person that the masajid were not built for announcements on lost property and this watch and this phone and this wallet and whatever it may be the masajid were built for the worship of Allah up on Tawheed they were not built for worldly affairs they were not built to look for your lost property or your wealth they are worldly affairs and they are not permissible in the masjid and the masajid were not built for those purposes فدل هذا الحديث على منع إنشاد الضوال في المساجد. So this hadith indicates that it is impermissible to seek lost property in the masajid. يعني السؤال عن الأشياء المفقودة, i.e. asking the people if they've seen any of their lost property, etc. لأن هذا فيه امتهان للمساجد. Because within that act of an individual coming and seeking lost property, it's a degradation of the masjid. It's a degradation of the masajid. That is lowering the status of the masjid. To come and use that masjid for some worldly affair. For 20 pounds in a wallet that's gone lost. For a phone worth 50 pounds that got lost. That's degrading the status of the masjid to come and use it for looking, at, uh, looking for these worldly losses or possessions or items that an individual has lost. وَدَلَّ عَلَىٰ إِنْكَارِ الْمُنْكَرِ The hadith also indicates the principle مَنْ رَأَ مِنْكُمْ مُنْكَرًا فَلْيُغَيِّرُ بِيَدِهِ فَإِنْ لَمْ يَسْتَضِعْ فَبِلِسَانِهِ فَإِنْ لَمْ يَسْتَضِعْ فَبِقَلْبِهِ That whomsoever sees an evil from you, then change it with his hand. And if you are unable, then with your tongue. And if you are unable, then with your heart. So this is changing or rejecting that evil Enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. That you clarify to this individual, you shouldn't be making these types of announcement in the masajid. Your worldly possessions are one thing. The masajid is another. Worldly possessions and looking for them is not suitable to be done in the, uh, the status of the masajid. Then after that, another affair which is mentioned also from the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. Something else that is impermissible to be done in the masajid. قال, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم, he said that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said, إذا رأيتم من يبيع أو يبتاع في المسجد, فقولوا لا أربح الله تجارتك. أخرجه النساء والترمذي وحسنه. أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه narrates in this hadith, that the Prophet ﷺ said, if you see somebody selling or buying in the masjid, then say, say to them, may Allah not make this business of yours profitable. Say to them, may Allah not make this business of yours profitable. If you see an individual buying or selling in the masajid. So in this hadith now, the shaykh says, if you see an individual buying yabi'u aw yabta'u, i.e. yashtari, uh, buying or selling, yabi'u, sorry, selling, and yabta'u, buying, if you see an individual doing that, then make this dua against them in rejection of this act of theirs. 
May Allah not make this business of yours profitable. This therefore indicates that if that's what we've been taught to do, when we see somebody buying and selling in the masjid, then it indicates the impermissibility of buying and selling in the masajid. فَدَلَّ عَلَى النَّهِي عَنِ الْبَيْعِ وَالشِّرَاءِ فِي الْمَسَاجِدِ Indicates the impermissibility of buying and selling in the masajid. وَهَذَا يَعُمُّ جَمِيعُ أَنْوَاعِ الْبَيْعِ The shaykh says this incorporates all types of buying and selling. All types of trade. لِذَا يَنْبَغِي أَن تُجَنَّبَ الْمَسَاجِدُ أُمُورَ الدُّنْيَا That's why it is befitting that the masajid are kept free of any worldly acts, any worldly behavior. I'm buying and selling, that's part of your worldly acts and your worldly behavior, looking for wealth, looking for profit, your business, your trade. Those types of things the masajid should be kept clean from. Buying and selling should not be conducted in the masajid, it is impermissible to do so. Even to the extent the shaykh says, حَتَّى الْكَلَامِ فِي أُمُورِ الدُّنْيَا Even sitting in the masjid and talking and having conversation about worldly things. Sitting in the masjid and talking and having conversation about worldly things. Again, it is not something that is correct to do. وَقَدْ ذَهَبَ بَعْضُ الْعُلَمَاءِ إِلَىٰ أَنَّ عَقْدَ الْبَيْعِ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ لَا يَصِحِ Some of the scholars have even said, that if you buy and sell in the masjid, the contract is not correct. The contract is invalid. If you buy and sell in the masjid, that buying the person was bought, and the person was sold, the item, the money that's been exchanged, all of that is invalid. The one who does it in the masjid. That trade, that selling of the item and taking of the money, it's invalid if it occurs in the masjid. Some of the scholars even put that ruling upon it. Because as you're aware, buying and selling, it's one of those matters of fiqh that are mentioned. And in fact, later on in Bulugh al-Maram, there's a chapter on it. What are the rules and regulations of buying and selling for that buying and selling to be a correct contract? Some of the scholars say, if you do it in a masjid, your contract is invalid from the beginning. You've not really sold anything, and that money you've taken isn't really yours. That contract is invalid if you do it in the masjid. To that extent, some of the scholars mention the impermissibility of doing it. So therefore the shaykh says, المساجد إذن ليست محلا للتجارة The masajid therefore are not a place for business. Again, the hadith indicates the principle of enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. Uh, in the section where it says, you say to those people, لا أربح الله تجارتك May Allah not make your business successful. May Allah not make your business profitable. هذا من باب الإنكار عليه This is again to reject this action of that person that he's doing in the masjid, and to treat him again from the same angle. He's doing that business to get some profit. You treat him in the same manner and tell him, may you not get profit from it. So again, you uh, enjoin the good and forbid the evil with regards to that, and then you clarify to them and you explain to them that it is impermissible to do this, buying and selling in the masajid. The scholars have said, therefore, all other types of trade, all other types of trade, then they should not be conducted in the masajid. It is impermissible to conduct them in the masajid. Whichever other types of trade it might be, a lease agreement, a rental agreement, other types of trade contracts and agreements, 
all of these types of affairs should not be conducted in the masajid. The one type of contract that has been made an exception by some of the scholars is the marital contract. The aqd of the nikah. That is something the scholars say can be done in the masjid. That is technically a contract. It's a marital contract. But that is something the scholars say is permissible because that is not a worldly thing in of itself. Marriage is something that you do upon the Islamic basis and it is done upon that uh, basis which is linked to the religion and therefore they say that this contract is permissible in the masajid. As for the other types of contracts, then they are not to be done in the masajid. وَكَذَلِكَ الَّذِي يَجْلِسُ وَمَعَهُ سِلْعٌ يَعْرِضُهَا لِلْبَيْعِ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ يَجِبُ أَنْ يُمْنَعَ وَيُخْرَجْ مِنَ الْمَسْجِدِ Similarly, a person who comes and he presents his items for sale in the masjid. He might not actually sell anything, but he comes with a box full of watches and he's showing everybody in the masjid. Again, that's impermissible. He's engaging in an act to attempt to sell and to attempt to engage in trade. So that should be stopped too, the shaykh says, if somebody comes and they attempt to sell something in the masjid and they present their goods, etc., then that should be stopped and the person should be exited. وَكَذَلِكَ الْإِعْلَانَاتِ Also, making announcements. Maybe a person says, okay, I'm not going to do any buying or selling in the masjid, but I've just opened up a new car wash after Jum'ah. I'm going to ask them to make an announcement for me. Down the road, bring your cars after Jum'ah, new car wash open. Again, it's impermissible. That is still under the banner of trade. Person says, I'm not actually trading in the masjid. There's no trade here. There's no cars, there's no car wash, nothing. I'm not taking any money, nothing. Just an announcement to tell them to come. Even that the shaykh says, it is not correct to do in the masajid, for a person to come and to announce and to promote his business and his trade in the masjid. وَكَذَلِكَ الْإِعْلَانَاتِ فِي الْمَسْجِدَ الَّتِي تُعْلَنُ عَنْ بَيْءِ أَشْيَاءَ أَوْ شِرَاءِ أَشْيَاءَ so those types of announcements are again impermissible, even to the extent just to mention that there's a shop. Somebody says there's a new shop opened. Uh, it's one of the brothers, mashallah, everybody go to his shop and buy the clothes there. Again, that type of announcement is incorrect, because you're now making an announcement for future trade to occur. An individual to go to that shop and buy and sell. So they are all announcements linked to trade, and so they are impermissible in the masjid also. وَكَذَلِكَ ذَكَرَ أَهْلُ الْعِلْمِ أَنَّهُ لَا يَنْبَغِي لِمَنْ لَهُ حُرْفَةً أَنْ يَجْلِسَ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ وَيُمَارِسُ حُرْفَتَهُ Similarly, in, in line with that and linked to that, the scholars they say, consider now an individual who has some expertise. An individual has some expertise. He has some uh, skills with a certain trade. It is not permissible for that individual to come and practice in front of the people that skill. Imagine now a person is a tailor. He tailors clothes. He says, okay, I'm not going to engage in any business in the masjid. I'm not going to tailor anybody's clothes for them in the masjid. I'm not going to buy and sell or make contracts with anyone in the masjid. My shop's over there, they can go there. But he brings some cloth from the shop and he sits in the masjid tailoring. Showing everybody his skill and his expertise in tailoring. That is as good as advertising his business. He's advertising to the people this skill he has, this expertise he has. And everybody can see that, him tailoring and making this stitch in this cloth in the corner of the masjid. So then afterwards they go to his shop, etc. That is a form of advertising still. 
So even that, for a person who has an expertise, a skill, he shouldn't come and sit in the masjid doing that and practicing it in front of the people. It's a form, you could consider it, a form of advertising yourself that you have this expertise. So all of these types of things, they should not be done in the masjid. إِذَنْ لَا يُجْعَلُ الْمَسْجِدُ مَحَلًّا لِلتَّكَسُّ بِالْحُرْفَةِ بَلْ إِنَّ كُلَّ أُمُورِ الدُّنْيَا تُبْعَدُ عَنِ الْمَسَاجِدِ So all of the worldly affairs, they should be removed from the masajid. The worldly affairs, buying and selling, those types of things and trade, they should be removed from the masajid. لِأَنَّ مَحَلَّهَا فِي الْأَسْوَاقِ The Shaykh says the place for that type of activity is in the markets. The markets are the place for that type of activity, not the masajid. فَدَلَّ ذَلِكَ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ مَحَلَّ الْاِكْتِسَابِ خَارِجَ الْمَسْجِدِ So therefore the place for your wealth and gaining and business and trade, that is outside of the masjid. وَأَنَّ الْمُسْلِمَ إِذَا سَمِعَ النِّدَاءِ يَتْرُكُ الْمُعَامَلَاتِ وَالْاِكْتِسَابِ وَيَقْبِلْ وَيَقْبِلْ عَلَىٰ الْمَسْجِدِ وَيُقْبِلْ عَلَىٰ الْمَسْجِدِ So when a person sees that, he hears the call to the prayer, then he leaves all of his other trade and his business and whatever it is, and he comes to the masjid, فَإِذَا فَرِغَ مِنَ الصَّلَاءِ يَذْهَبُ إِلَىٰ طَلَبِ الرِّزْقِ خَارِجَ الْمَسْجِدِ So when he finishes from the prayer, then he can go back to his business and his wealth and his worldly uh, profits that he is uh, gaining from his business. The next hadith then, عَنْ حَكِيمِ بْنِ حِزَامِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالْ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم. And we'll conclude upon this narration. Hakim ibn Hizam radiallahu anhu says that the Prophet sallallahu said, and this is going to be another type of thing which is impermissible to be done in the masajid. لَا تُقَامُ الْحُدُودُ فِي الْمَسَاجِدِ وَلَا يُسْتَقَادُ فِيهَا This hadith says that the carrying out of penalties, Islamic penalties, the chopping of the hand, the, 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 the uh, whipping of an individual, those Islamic penalties, they should not be carried out in the masajid. This hadith then the shaykh says, كَذَلِكَ مِمَّا يُنْهَا عَنْهُ فِي الْمَسَاجِدِ إِقَامَةُ الْحُدُودِ وَالْقَوَدِ It is impermissible to carry out these uh, punishments, these penalties within the masajid, or to do the qawad, Qawad is, uh, is going to come as well. For example, the removal of a hand for the one who steals, or the killing of an individual who kills. فَإِقَامَةُ الْحُدُودِ كَحَدِّ شَرْبِ الْخُمَرِ كَحَدِّ شُرْبِ الْخَمَرِ أَوْ حَدِّ الْقَذْفِ أَوْ غَيْرِ ذَلِكَ مِنَ الْحُدُودِ تُقَامُ خَارِجَ الْمَسْجِدِ So the Islamic penalties, for example, somebody who drinks alcohol, the whipping, and somebody who accuses somebody falsely of fornication, etc., again whipping, all of these types of penalties, then they are to be carried out, implemented outside of the masajid. لِأَلَّا يَحْصُلُ مِنْ جَرَّاءِ إِقَامَةُ الْحُدُودِ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ إِسَاءَ إِلَيْهَا مِنْ وُقُوعِ الدَّمْءَ وَغَيْرِهِ مِنَ النَّجَاسَاتِ In order that no consequences or ill consequences arise from that establishment of the penalty on that individual. For example, now somebody who is whipped, then there may be splatters of blood that exit from that individual and fall onto the masjid, etc. Those types of things to keep the masjid clean and pure from that, 
then these types of penalties and implementation of the rulings, they are not to be carried out in the masjid. They are to be carried out outside of the masjid. Uh, similarly, Al-Qawad, Al-Qawad, for example, somebody, he kills another individual, so he is killed, the death penalty, or chopping or taking uh, some of the limbs of an individual, then all of those types of penalties, they are carried out outside of the masjid, not in the masjid. Uh, again, in order that there is no pollution or any ill consequence of blood, etc., splatters, that occur in the masjid as a consequence of that. فَإِذَا كَانَتِ قَامَةُ الْحُدُودُ وَهِيَ عِبَادَ لَا تَكُونُ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ فَغَيْرُهَا مِنْ بَابِ أَوْلَىٰ So if these types of penalties that are Islamic penalties, they are Islamic penalties, but they are not to be carried out in the masjid, then all these other affairs, which are not even Islamic affairs, business and trade, or announcements, or even sitting and having a conversation about worldly affairs, then all of that should be kept outside of the masajid. All of those are kept outside of the masajid. If these which are Islamic penalties, and they have justice within them, justice within them, they are carried out in the proper manner, in the just manner, upon the one who deserves that, then that is to be done outside of the masajid, and it is to be done by the rulers who have the authority to do that, not the vigilante, any individual who claims he is now the ruler, is going to do as he pleases. But those uh, penalties are carried out outside of the masajid, not in the masajid. Uh, this particular hadith, some of the scholars, they have mentioned that it has a weak chain of narration. Uh, however, Sheikh al-Fawzan doesn't really mention anything regarding that. Al-Hafid ibn Hajar, he mentioned that the chain for this uh, narration is weak. And perhaps inshallah we'll do further investigation into that. Well, we'll conclude upon that hadith for today then. And then next week inshallah, We'll carry on and finish off the few remaining hadith in the chapter of the Masajid. So next session, inshallah, will definitely be the final session on the rulings of the Masajid. Uh, and then after that, we will begin into the description of the actual prayer. So next session will be the final session on the rulings of the Masajid. And then after that, will be the first lesson, inshallah, on the actual description of the prayer. How do you actually pray? So inshallah ta'ala will carry on with that in two weeks time.